Hello, Switched On crew. Dan here with today's signals on helping people scale themselves and their businesses. With me is Holly Jean Jackson. She's a holistic business coach and a host of the Inspiration Contagion podcast. A great quote from Terry in the episode, what is in your bucket of fear? Come join us and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Switched On Podcast. Today, we have Holly Jean Jackson with us. Let's dive right in with Holly. And Holly, have, how about you start by giving us a few more details on your background and, and uh, current work? Sure. So Holly Jean Jackson, I'm a holistic business coach. I work with entrepreneurs and CEO to build and scale their business. We do this in a way that taps into their health and their clarity at the foundation before tackling the business. Uh, my background, I worked in corporate America and higher education and nonprofit for 12 years in various executive level roles, leading teams, leading programs, developing products, doing launches globally, all kinds of things that really helped me hone my skills on communication, organization, strategy, marketing, and a lot of things across the business. Yeah, neat. So the term holistic business coach, maybe uh, give us a bit more insight on what that encompasses. And it's not a, you know, a common way it's designated. So I, I'm curious to hear a bit more about it. Sure. So I know when I was looking for my business coach, I kind of shopped around and asked, well, what makes you unique? And when I got into coaching myself as a business coach, I realized that my secret sauce was really going deeper on the health side and the life side. And if you really think about it, the entrepreneur's journey is very windy. It's got a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And so our health is super important. And there's a lot of stress, whether it's good or bad, that can get in the way of our success in our business. And really how we show up in our health affects our business directly. So a lot of people I would be working with as a business coach would have a lot of stress and anxiety anxiety. It was not allowing them to get sleep. And so they didn't have the energy they needed to build or scale their business. And this had a direct correlation on their success. And then in addition, I have some clients where they're either in a career or they're building a business and it's not aligned with their life priorities. They've never stopped to think, gosh, what are the six or seven things that are super important to me that I must accomplish in this lifetime? And so oftentimes we'll dig into that and we'll realize that, oh, well, wait, we need to either go to a completely different career, build a different business or make some tweaks and fine tune things so that it is aligned and then things start working directly in their business. So I found that a lot of people, they want to start with the business, but when they're doing all the right things and it's still not giving us the external outcomes that we would expect, it's always something to do with their health or life that's out of alignment. Boy, I can really relate to it. Um, when scaling the last company, Think HR, as we went from 10 people to 80 people and then 80 people to 180 people, the demands on me and others in the enterprise, really just the dynamics and the energy and the all the things crashing in on us, um, it really became so important to manage all avenues. And there was uh, some real, real times of soul searching, some real times of grasping for more energy because you just couldn't quite keep up with it. There was times of burnout. There was, you know, all of it was 
stuff we really you really had to learn how to manage. So I love the the angle and the insight you're taking because it's an attack that I took uh, was managing my own personal energy in a completely different way. So it really resonates. If you were to think about like kind of the top two areas where people that you say, okay, these are the the number one and number two things to really focus on energy wise. What would you pick those out to be? (laughs) Uh, I'm just giggling because when it comes to our energy, people are going to hate me for saying this, but you need to focus on your sleep. Um, And everybody's like, oh, I don't want to focus on my sleep. I'll sleep when I die. And I hate when people say this because the reality is you're actually shortening your lifespan and you're going to die so much sooner if you don't invest in quality sleep. Now, I know I work with a lot of moms and it's more difficult for them to get what we should be is seven hours of sleep at night. So if you are a mom or you have a difficult schedule, you're working a swing shift, try to get at least four hours of sleep and then make sure you're doing a practice like yoga nidra. So you're getting rest, going to a deprivation float center so that you're getting rest in other ways to get your brain into a state of theta brainwave. So you're still getting similar to actual sleep rest at night. It's been shown scientifically, we need at least seven hours to optimally allow our brain to function. And that's where we get all of our ideas and our brilliance comes out as well as the superpowers that we have as entrepreneurs. So sleep is the number one needle mover. Um, The second thing is really kind of supporting like good sleep quality and good sleep habits. And really it's just committing to healthy sleep routine. So that's going to be things like not having caffeine past, you know, two or 3 PM in the afternoon. Um, Things like don't exercise too late in the day. Um, things like having a really nice, cool, quiet, technology-free sleep zone, anything you can do to um, amplify your sleep. Again, it comes back to sleep. Yeah. it's uh, So I used to be one of these people that believed I could do it all on four to five hours a night of sleep. And um, then sounds like you know I read a few studies on this and started to see the data around the rest your brain really needs and the time and the seven hours. And what found for me that triggered it all was once I cleaned my diet up and I started to really shift the way I was putting stuff into my system. Uh, and my nighttime meal now is very small. I don't drink alcohol. I changed a lot of the things. All of a sudden, I started sleeping seven hours perfect. And then I was feeling so much better and vibrancy. I really can't believe I used to think that the other way works. So uh, I I would definitely agree with you that sleep is such a big part of it. Um, well, and as uh, you just referenced, um, it's all connected, right? So if you have pain, you're going to have difficulty sleeping. If you have anxiety and stress, your mind is so hyperactive, it's going to be hard for you to fall asleep. So the more you amplify your health, that includes your diet, your exercise, um, your pain level, anything you can do to improve these things makes it easier for you to sleep. But ultimately, the number one thing you can do for your health is to get sleep because the things that your brain does in terms of healing the body, processing difficult things, helping you resolve potential conflicts that are already on your table or coming up that next day. Everything is easier when you're getting sufficient sleep. Yeah. Oh, great tip. Um, when you are thinking about how to lead and you're scaling a, uh, an enterprise, small, big, whatever it is, 
you, uh, in some of my pre-show notes, you know, leading others through inspiration was a big topic for you. So I wanted to have you give some insights on how do we do that? What's the, what's, whether it's one person that you're leading or it's a big team, what do you, uh, what do you recommend to really excel at that? Yeah. So um, as I interview leaders with my podcast, Inspiration Contagion, I, I learn even more around this and it helps me amplify my leadership capabilities. But if you really think about it, it's not really possible to inspire others if you don't have a vision. If you don't know the mission and the vision that you're leading towards and that you're trying to get people behind. And if you don't believe in that vision or mission and you can't clearly articulate it, why on earth would anybody follow you? So my tips in terms of being an inspirational leader is one, figure out what your passion is and make sure that your passion is actually aligned with the vision and mission that you're leading. If it's not, you should probably find somebody else to lead that because you're not going to get anybody behind you without that inspiration. The second thing is you really need to take action tied to that. You can't just say conceptually what your vision and mission is. You have to also, as a leader, be taking tangible actions towards making that a reality so that your followers see you walking the talk of the leadership, see you marching towards building that vision. It's something you have to do together. And then the third thing is, is that with inspiration, it's not just this conceptual thing around inspiration. It's about motivating yourself, staying tuned into that vision, constantly going back to it when you're making decisions with your team or there's conflict amongst the team, always go back to the vision, always go back to the ultimate customer that you're impacting with whatever it is that you're building, whether it's a movement, a client-based product, or even something in your family. Yeah. When um, one thing I had to do a real gut check on to uh, kind of reference into this was as we were scaling, I hit this wall of my own productivity where I was not responding to people. I was taking two or three days to get back to them on questions or action items. And I had this, just this really horrible weekend, one weekend where I realized I had to reframe the entire way I was working. If I expected them to move quicker and the enterprise to move faster, and I had to, I, I, I made a commitment to everybody in the company, which was, look, my day is pretty well scripted out, but if you get me something by three o'clock, by tomorrow morning at nine, I will have you an answer. And I started to ensure them so that they knew that they would get an answer. And I freed up this huge amount of potential in the company uh, and, and motivation and inspiration because I took it on. Um, but it was... Um, it was not until I had started to crash and burn that that I had to come face to face with that. So uh, really interesting. Good points. Um, yeah. Well, and I mean, as you just said, your the your words, your commitment to building that trust with your followers is really crucial. If they don't have faith and trust in you, um, they're not going to follow you. So it's really, really important that when you make these agreements, like you said, I'm committing. If you send that by 3 p.m., I'll return it by 9 a.m. You'll hear back from me. And they understand that the slight lag time, but if they get it in, they will hear a response. Otherwise, it'll be the following day. That get that makes them feel heard and understood right. and know that you're taking what they're sharing as valuable input. Yeah. Yeah. It really was magical. And it taught me a big lesson inside of all of these tips you just gave. Each one of them is kind of similar magnitude. 
Talk to me about this face-to-face confrontation with a bear. Uh, I have never had such a thing, but I can only imagine what that moment was like. But uh, maybe share with us a little bit of uh, what that was all about. Yeah, I had just um, gone through a divorce and was really going out backpacking solo to deal with some of my own inner bears. And I felt like I needed you know, some time in solitude and nature. And so I went on this trip and on the third day of that trip, I came to a really dense part of the forest. And as I glanced down, I saw this large set of bear paw prints and then another small set. And I turned the next corner and sure enough, there was mama bear and all of my fears flashed before my eyes. My life flashed before my eyes as she started charging directly towards me. And um, it's, it's kind of weird what happens, like time really does stand still when your life is on the line. And I had that experience, but I also remembered that these fellow backpackers showed me how to charge a bear back. And so I took a step forward and with everything in me, I was like, Rawr! back at this bear and it worked. She stopped and she walked away. And so while you're listening, you're kind of like, well, what does that have to do with me? Well, a lot of us are facing bears today that could, that today could be, you know, leaving an abusive relationship, but you're afraid to make that change. It could be starting your business, but you're afraid you might fail. Whatever your bear is, I'm just here to tell you that if I can face a bear in the woods and survive to tell you the story, there's no bear too big for you to charge head on. So it's really about facing our fears and coming out on the other side of that. Yeah, that's a great story. I, uh, you know, I've heard about charging bears, but I never have imagined that I would actually do it in the moment. So it's a, it's amazing that you that you did it. It's not something anybody would imagine, and it's not really part of the typical bear protocol. But it's a last resort, and when a bear is charging you, and your life is flashing before your eyes, it's kind of amazing what you can do. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I can only imagine that one. When you talk about conquering self-limitations to get what we truly want in life, this one's really near and dear to me, and I love to hear your insight on it and how you coach and help people do that. Yeah, I mean, I think what I notice is a lot of our self-limiting thoughts fall into the bucket of fear. And I've never seen more fear than last year and and even bleeding into this year. It's 2021, but 2020, we had the beginning of the pandemic and that's continued for over a year now. And so everybody's fear is heightened. We're seeing it in the media. We're seeing a lot of people go out of business. And so a lot of the self-limiting beliefs that I'm seeing today are around lack of money and like a lot of negative thoughts around that, Um, fear of going out of business, fear of failure, fear of dying. There's just so much rampant fear and it's so dangerous and so easy to get caught up in that, what I call rabbit hole thinking, where you start to spiral down the rabbit hole of negative thinking. And so a lot of the times I talk about fear a lot in my webinars, my events, my summits, and when I'm coaching clients, because when we're in fear, we're not open to the opportunities that are actual solutions. So to give you a specific example, since you're asking for self-limiting beliefs, I have a lot of clients who struggle with their relationship and beliefs around money. 
So especially because they're in the service industry, they believe that it's bad to receive money for the services they're providing because they feel like they should be, you know, healing clients. A lot of them are in the medical field um, or they feel like they should just be giving their services away for free. And so there's this, this belief that started probably from childhood, if not generations before, and it's affecting them at this level from childhood on. And so we have to do a lot of rewiring in a way that they can actually emotionally connect to a new belief that's actually serving them so that they can have money in their business so they can support their family. And so that honestly, they can serve more people and heal more people and help more people. But this is a really common belief that a lot of entrepreneurs and even people in career track, you know, journeys are on, they feel bad about earning income. And the, the reality is, is there's plenty of money to go around. So we should release this limiting belief and shift that to how, if we have that money, how would we use that to help others? And can we feel good about that? Yeah. Wow. Really interesting point. I like your take on the, if you have money, how can you help others? It's a great way to reframe it because um, making, making money, it, it does empower you and there's a lot of good you can do with it. And it's not just about buying the the bigger boat or the fancier car. There's a lot of uh, wonderful things to support. And I think that's a really neat way to re, reframe that. The Bucket of Fear, I wrote, wrote down that, that name that you had said. But, you know, I think fear appears and shows up for us all in so many ways. And this year, this last year, you know, what I see over and over now is just, what what's transpired is everybody's just gotten so confused because there's so many stories where you can read this side of it and then you can pick up the 10 new websites and read this side of it and there's no way to discern what's true and everybody is wading through this morass of disillusionment and everyone doesn't know how to feel stable how to get back to a, a clear plane and I've never seen anything like kind of what we're all experiencing. What are you, how do you help people kind of get rebased, like to get stabilized? Well, I mean, my typical advice for my clients is it's not really productive to spend that much time reading all the media out there. Like, yes, stay informed, but again, don't go, don't go down the rabbit hole of the media because that's really what it is. It's just creating confusion. It's creating fear and controversy and arguments and conflict, and it's not doing anything for you. So I ask them, you know, when you're reading the media, how does it make you feel? Yeah. Oh, it makes me feel bad. Okay, cool. So maybe we should stop doing that and just have a friend kind of text you if there's something really, really critical you need to read. And then, you know, tune into that one thing real quick and get back on track and even set a timer. So set a timer for like five minutes, read media, stop. And then really get dialed back in, do some yoga, go on a walk, do anything that's going to help you rebaseline to feel good again. Every, every situation we're in, we, we can actually choose to be happy. We can choose to be calm. And it's something we have readily available to us in every single moment. So if you're choosing to read media and it's making you feel bad, stop. 
choose again, choose something else that's going to open you up to opportunity. Choose something that's going to get you 1% closer to your goal for the end of this year. Stop watching Netflix all day and like zoning out or eating tons of food because you're trying to zone out and tune out all the fear and the stuff that's happening around you. Do something that's actually productive for your health, for your life and for your business. That's great. Good, good inputs. On the topic of if you could have people take away one thing from this half an hour uh, that they're getting to know you and introduce to you, what would be a one thing you'd want people to take away that they can put in action or you know carry with them for the rest of their life? Well, I am a big believer that nothing happens without you being ready to change. And that means taking action. So most people are so fearful and just so up in arms about all this, this craziness in the media. So I would say the one thing I want you to take away from today's talk is to choose again. You can choose something that's going to make you happy. You can choose something that's going to spread joy. You can choose something that's going to support somebody else. You can choose something that will make you feel more grounded and peaceful but there are a million things that you can choose to do with your time and you don't need to choose things that are making you feel miserable, fearful, and stuck. So choose again, do something different today and take action. Yeah, good. Choose again. I like that as a tagline. I, uh, I do think the, you know, a personal habit I have is I take in my daily kind of planner, but I, I do, look at each day I write down things where either I've got to define the, the project or the problem better. And in there, I'm in effect choosing again, hadn't thought of it that way. So I'm actually going to kind of use that as a, as a way I think of it, but I definitely re-question the belief. I re-question and I try to better outline in better detail what that problem or project is that I'm working on. And I find that by the better I define it, uh, the better I can choose better outcomes. So I'm choosing again. So it's it's actually a really succinct way to say it. I like it. Uh, yeah. And I mean, when we have days where we don't choose well or moments where we don't choose well, don't be too harsh on yourself. We are our own worst critics. The things <laughs> we say to ourselves are atrocious, but just be mindful and be excited that you caught yourself choosing poorly and celebrate that. And then choose again in that moment, something that's going to make you feel happy and back on track. Yeah. Good. So now we're to the question of cauliflower moment where you questioned the belief and found out that you had it framed wrong and that you reframed it and wound up with new outcomes. Um, what jumps to your mind on the cauliflower moment thought process? There are so many, but I think the most powerful one for me uh, was when I realized that I had this belief from a very young age. I don't even know how it started that something was wrong with me. So imagine believing that something is wrong with you for 30 some years and then imagine, okay, well, yeah, that showed up with spinal issues. I ended up needing a spinal fusion. I ended up having chronic pain for most of my life. I've had so many health challenges. And eventually when I had enough layoffs layered in with medical diagnoses, Finally, I had this aha moment of, gosh, what is going on here? Like, how can I break this pattern? And I started really investigating alternative ways of healing and what could be going on. And I quickly discovered the connection between 
especially if you're an empath. So I am an empath. So I hold a lot of people's emotional stuff as well as physical things. And I didn't know enough about that as a young person and didn't even know that I was that. So that coupled with this belief of something's wrong with me, you can imagine I had my own stuff plus everybody else's stuff layered in there. And it was showing up as like a lot of negative things in my body. But since I've actually shift that belief, I am so much healthier. I'm 37. People think I'm in my twenties because I've like done such a good job taking care of myself. I know that there's nothing that I can't heal in my body. And I know when ailments show up in my body, I read Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life, to see what emotional thing is being triggered right now that I need to release so that that doesn't become a serious problem like cancer or disease down the road. So I have these cues or these internal things that remind me if I'm going back to old patterns or old habits, and I reground myself in the belief that there's nothing wrong with me and that I can heal anything that comes up in my body. Uh, I've actually read that book before, and it's not one I it's not one of my ones that I go back to, but I probably should. So I'm gonna go read. <laughs> it's that. powerful, yeah. Ah, it's okay. interesting. Like as soon as you have a specific injury, like when my hips are bothering me, or if your low back is bothering you, you're having issues around money and not feeling abundant, which is kind of interesting. So it's kind of an extra tool you can use to check in. And and I would say 99% of the time, I look at the emotional tie or the thought negative thought pattern. And that's correlated with that body part or that ailment. It's always right. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then it has um, something you can use to shift it. It has some suggested affirmations you can use to help heal that. Wow. That's great. I'm going to go refine that one in my uh, library. I I go to a book, um, Yogananda's book, uh, Autobiography of a Yogi. And that's my annual read. I reread that one every year because I just find it, it re-familiarizes myself and I re-pay attention to things I've sloughed off on. But um, that one's been my most go-to book. So I'm going to re-pull this one out. And, and, well, uh, another one that's good that it's really more on the money side, but it applies to really any belief that you have that's limiting you is think and grow rich. So we really dig deep into how our mind is creating our experience and your thoughts are creating your experience and especially your beliefs. And so really what they recommend is creating this new belief money statement and you repeat it out loud twice a day, every day, and you visualize it actually happening for 21 days. And once you do that 21 days, and this applies to anything outside of money. So let's say you have some problems around something's wrong with your body, like the example I shared, you could change it to a belief that you start to believe and you start saying every day and visualizing the reality of it today and do this for 21 days. It then moves to your subconscious. So it becomes part of who you are and your belief system as well as your identity. And that starts changing things at the molecular level. Like they've actually proven this. It's pretty incredible. The something's wrong with me is fascinating because when I started to clean up my diet and I had all these things like as a kid and growing up that I didn't like, but people would always say, Hey, what's wrong with you? You should like that. You need to eat that. You need to. And I would generally conform. I would re, you know, choke it down. I would make myself eat this stuff. I started to make this connection that almost everything my body was giving me signals to not eat was actually not good for me. 
And I was, but I overpowered it by this crazy thing of, hey, you know, what's wrong with you? You should eat this and you should like it. And I, I was amazed as I was going through that process going, why wasn't I listening? My body was telling me. It was really fascinating. Well, and that is that actually brings out a really, really important point for people that are listening and they might be having that experience. You, we can't allow other people to tell us what's right for us. That includes your diet. That includes your business. That in, like even if you have this crazy idea, like Einstein inventing whatever he invented, he sounded crazy. But in reality, if he hadn't done that, we wouldn't have a lot of the creative genius we have in our world today. So my recommendation to people: if something feels wrong, if your gut says it's wrong, your body says it's wrong, your intuition says it's wrong, listen to that. Trust yourself. If you can't trust yourself, you can't trust anyone. So I, I feel like, especially our children today, if we could teach them at a younger age to just trust themselves, there would be so far fewer problems in our world. And there'd be less fear. There'd be more confidence. There'd be more brilliance. So trust yourself. That includes your body. Yeah. Fantastic. The, um, I just wrote down that, you know, you can't let other people tell us what is right for us. And um, I, I wish I would have grasped a hold of that a lot sooner in my life than, than I, than I did, but I'm thankful I got there. Um, Me too, Dan. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a great one. And it's uh, something we all need to learn. And I love that trust yourself mantra for all of us, for children, for everybody. Well, listen, this has been a blast, and I, I know you and I can talk a long time. So how can people connect with you and reach out and get in touch? Sure. My website is hollyjeanjackson.com, and my podcast podcast is Inspiration Contagion. It's on all of the major players. If you want to send me any questions, it's holly at hollyjeanjackson.com. Awesome. Well, thank you, Holly. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time today. Yeah, thank you. It was really fun.